see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. As the former chairperson of the Cold Pressure Council, Good Foods Vice President of Product Innovation, Joyce Longfield is passionate about high-pressure processing and how it allows food products to retain their nutrients as well as taste. On this podcast, Joyce goes beyond those benefits, however, and delves into the world of preservatives. In her opinion, preservatives could be labeled as safe, but what exactly does that imply? While safe may mean that it is not toxic to you as the host, what about the organisms preservatives are intended to stop from growing that can serve as good bacteria inside the body? I know I learned a lot. Food processing science. Let's get right to it. And with that, we want to welcome uh, to the podcast, Joyce. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's absolutely our pleasure. So Good Foods is, I guess, one of the founding members of the CPC, the Cold Pressure Council. So I guess for today's conversation, um, I, I know you, you really know the ins and outs of, of preservatives and the pitfalls of preservatives. So I'd really like to kind of touch on a bunch of those. So I guess just to start, how does high pressure processing allow a product to be free of these chemicals or these stabilizers, you know, what we lay people refer to as preservatives? You know, it's, it's interesting because I have to say, I myself was just like any other consumer and thinking, you know, I, I don't want to have preservatives in my food. Obviously, it, it's a chemical, it doesn't sound nice, but not fully understanding what that really means and, and really how necessary that is until um, getting into the world of HBV. Because as a consumer, we all have the right to walk into a grocery store and feel like our the food on our shelf is safe, right? We don't really want to be thinking, you know, like, you know, am I at risk of getting salmonella or E. coli or listeria and, and that kind of thing. So it is really our responsibility as food manufacturers to give the customer that sense of feeling. However, what I've learned from working in the food industry for the last 10 years, preservatives don't kill the bacteria or mold or yeast. And I think that's a little bit of a misunderstanding is that I, for one, always thought that if there was preservative in there, that meant that there could be no risk of any type of, you know, bacteria or mold or yeast. And that's not the truth. How a a preservative works is it really just prevents any type of microorganism from growing. So it doesn't kill them. Like when you think of cooking your food, we know that heating our food to certain temperatures kills salmonella and listeria and E. coli, right? But that's not how a preservative works. So if in fact um, a manufacturer had any type of contamination of those pathogens of concern in their facility and something got into the food product, they could still be present in there, just not growing. 
And, you know, you think, well, okay, well, why is that a concern? Well, something like listeria is a pretty aggressive pathogen in high-risk consumers like children and elderly and pregnant women, right? And so, you know, that's why there's very strict policies with the USDA around having no tolerance, zero tolerance for listeria whatsoever. And that policy came into place in 2004. So, you know, the USDA has very, very strict um, requirements for listeria compared to food that's uh, governed by the FDA. And that's why, unfortunately, we do still see recalls in um, FDA food production facilities is because there can still be the presence of these pathogens in the facility itself. Mm-hmm. And, and even though it might a recall might not necessarily mean that somebody got sick. It just means that if the food that they manufacture only has something like a preservative in it, which the FDA knows is not enough to kill something like listeria, and then they find a positive in that production facility, they will make that manufacturer recall the product to test and make sure that none of the product was contaminated with any listeria, right? So as a food manufacturer, you think, my gosh, that's so risky because Listeria is such a ubiquitous organism. Of course, I could have it in my drains or on some, you know, cleaning equipment or something like that. Or even, you know, um, an employee could bring it in if they didn't, you know, wash properly, dress properly, that kind of thing. So it leaves you so vulnerable using a preservative because you're still at risk for a recall. But HPP being an in-package kill step you know, similar to cooking does not leave you with that vulnerability. So if all of your products are going through HPP before they go out the door, then if you do have a positive of some kind of pathogen in your facility, you don't have to recall all your product because you've done an in-package kill step. And I think to myself, why wouldn't any food manufacturer want that type of protection? You know, like, why would you want to leave yourself so vulnerable? But preservatives are cheap. So it really kind of comes down to how the food manufacturer looks at, at, you know, the perspective. Like, and unfortunately, recalls have put companies out of business. You know, big companies that have lots of money behind them, they can survive a recall, but little guys can't. And if you look at the people who have invested in HPP, they are actually often more times the little guys because they can't afford to, to survive a recall. So it's a very interesting thing that as a consumer, you would never see that backstory. No, and that as you're saying that, I'm thinking of companies, and I don't need to throw them under the bus on here, that that are still around and are still well-known and are still fairly popular that have had to deal with these type of outbreaks. And they are, like you said, all larger companies that have the brand equity and the marketing and the advertising and stuff to kind of get out of it after that crisis is, is kind of over. But like you said, the smaller companies that don't have those resources, they go out of business. And that I hadn't really thought of it like that until you just you know posed it that way. So I guess you've kind of touched on it, but what's been specifically, like if I'm a small company, why am I using HPP to make sure this doesn't happen? Like just the, you know, the 10,000 foot view of this is how it's going to stop that from being an issue. Well, you know, 
I, again, number number one concern is brand protection. So even if you do survive that recall, your brand is kind of tainted. Unless for some reason you are the Chipotle of the world that was able to survive and actually like do amazing coming out of that horrible E. coli outbreak that they had. And obviously that's not something that HPP could address because, you know, that was traced back to the cilantro, the fresh cilantro that they used in their stores. But, you know, they obviously were able to come back and survive that and they're they're doing phenomenal. And they've probably tightened up their parameters immensely to the best that they can when you are using fresh ingredients like that. That is a really difficult thing to control. But as a ready-to-eat food manufacturer, you have a lot more levels of control. So when you think of like, why am I not seeing, you know, McDonald's or Taco Bell having recalls? Because their levels of food safety are so high. They do not want that on them at all. So they will look at what is the best way to ensure that I don't have a recall because I want that brand protection. I don't want my name to be tainted in any which way whatsoever. And, you know, maybe other companies don't have that outlook and they just look at like, we'll just pump a bunch of marketing dollars into it and people will forget about it, you know. But after you have enough recalls, they start to remember. So, you know, if, if you are able to financially survive it, why would you want to taint your brand? But really the reality of it is, is like, could you financially survive it? You know, that's really the bigger question, the bigger piece. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then again, like if you do financially survive it and you're one of those sort of startup companies that's thinking one day I want to be bought by a big company for hundreds of millions of dollars. And when they come to, you know, look through your quality program and think, why would we invest in you? Why would we buy you? You have not done to the best of your ability to really protect your company and your brand. What you've done is you've met your minimum requirements from a food safety regulatory perspective. But that doesn't mean you've done the best job possible if that makes sense. And so I feel like people who are looking at HPP are looking at it like, yes, of course, I want the best brand protection. I don't want to recall, but I don't want to make my customers sick, you know, and, and food safety just means so many more things to us at Good Foods than, you know, just the protection that HPP gives to us. It, it also, it goes down to all the upstream things, even before HPP, the quality control programs that we have here, our allergen control programs, so many different levels. I just, you know, I, I've been in this for 10 years now, and while that's not a lifetime, it's still a long enough time to see there's not as many companies that work with that same level of, of uh, quality standard to provide their consumers with a product that they can honestly feel good about. Right. So, you know, using that as a kind of a jumping off point, how does Good Foods approach creating their products and kind of what is the philosophy that, you know, sets it apart from, like you said, some of the companies that are really just in it to kind of make money off of food versus trying to provide a product that, you know, is, is sustaining life in a good way. For sure. Well, as I give you a little bit of background, you know, Kurt is a family man. And so he really initiated this company with the simple premise of foods that you would make in your kitchen that are now ready to eat available every day kind of thing for people. Um, the di main difference, you know, being that not only is it just ingredients that you're familiar with, ingredients that you can pronounce the names of them, um, you know, no 
no type of flavors or color additives, whether it be natural or artificial, like none of that, right? So literally the type of ingredients that you would use in your own kitchen, but then adding HPP, because even as we all know, things that we make in our own kitchen sometimes can make us sick if we don't take the best food safety practices. So while what goes into the products we make are things like you make in the kitchen, we take it to the next level beyond what your kitchen can obviously provide you, which is what HPP provides, right? That level of food safety. And so to be able to have a food like that readily accessible across this entire country, I feel like good food should have commercials. You know, we don't have commercials. We have social media, but it's like, I feel like, you know, we should have commercials as well and really make ourselves aware to people of of just what's available to them. (laughs) I agree because it is a, a brand, especially with the passion that you're speaking about it, that you know, we should be out there and know more about. Um, Kurt, that you keep referring to is, is Kurt Penn, the CEO. He, I guess, started this with that idea in mind that this is going to be, you know, rich in nutrients and fresh tasting and something like you said that you would want to make in your kitchen. And that is something that we should um, be aware of versus just all of the things that are kind of packed full of preservatives. Packed full of preservatives and, you know, a lot of times you see a lot of products that are just kind of almost packed with fillers or empty calories. Mm-hmm. You know, we we went through this, you know, when we saw the whole low fat phase come in and everybody was replacing fat with empty carbohydrates, right? Like just a lot of starches, um, right. whether it be real sugar or fake sugar, you know, trying to get calories down. But there's really nothing nutritious about that, like adding, you know, more flours and starches and that kind of thing. So even our approach to ingredients has actually been 100% functional. Like we're not just adding things in there to take up space, basically, you know, and, and that I think is another big thing that sets us apart. Circling back a little bit to the preservatives, because I'm curious, you spoke of them, how they can be considered, quote, unquote, safe. But how does that affecting me, you know, once I eat it? <laughs> like That's just it. And I see that constantly. And I've always gotten that immediate response from companies when we talk about HPP, they're like, it's okay, I use a preservative and it's safe. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so safe meaning that you're meeting your regulatory requirements, your counts are below 200 colony forming units per ml. And that means nothing to a consumer. So we're exactly really talking about like the, the food science side of things. So you're meeting your requirements. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But oh, let's say that maybe nothing does grow in your product and you don't make anyone sick. But now this person has taken in this preservative. And what if they eat this on a regular basis, along with other foods that have preservatives on a regular basis? What about the microbiome going on inside of me? I don't want them to stop growing. And if I continue to eat foods that are laden with preservatives, what is my good gut bacteria doing inside? Are they just not multiplying anymore? Oh, so now we have a world where people are fortifying their products with probiotics. Why do we need to have fortified probiotics if I just have good gut health? But I guess maybe I don't have good gut health if I eat a ton of preservatives. It's just this vicious cycle. And so if we can get off of one thing, like Mm -hmm. preservatives, Do we need to go down this path of constantly fortifying our food with other things? So it's like, yeah, this, you know, they 
this perfect machine the human body is created that has all these things built in to fix it. But when you do all these outside things, you know, like preservatives, it gets in, it messes up the natural, you know, mechanisms that work in the human body. And now you're like you said, you're taking right. probiotics and all these other things. So I guess what what's the difference between just out of my curiosity, good gut bacteria and bad gut bacteria? Well, to a preservative, nothing. They don't know the difference, right? So if you remember back to your high school biology days where you did this fun experiment called gram staining and you you stained different types of uh, bacteria and it either turned pink or it turned purple. So bacteria is basically classified into either gram positive or gram negative. And all the differences just comes down to the cell membrane of that bacteria. And if you are gram positive, your cell membrane is a lot thicker than if you're gram gram negative, it's a lot thinner. So uh, E. coli and salmonella, they are examples of gram negative. Listeria, lactobacillus, you know, those are examples of gram positive. Well, lactobacillus, that's what you see in all of these probiotic, um, you know, cultures and, and combinations, all different types of lactic acid producing bacteria, but they're gram positive. And so if you think about it, listeria being in that category, then for sure, there are preservatives that are addressing gram positive uh, bacteria and inhibiting their growth, right? So it's not just picking and choosing the bad guys over the good guys. It's just inhibiting all gram positive bacteria from growing. And unfortunately, you know, that is going to have an impact on whatever good lactic acid producing bacteria you have on in your gut as well. Okay, I, I guess one last, um, we've taken a bunch of your time as it is, but just one last thing to touch on, I guess, is I know Good Foods is really committed to plant-based foods and all the, the wonderful benefits of that. Sometimes that can be positioned, and I don't know how to word this right, but sometimes people see that as, and I don't know if it's because of the, um, the plant-based meats where there's things in it that aren't healthy. How do we differentiate between the two of those? Or is that even a thing? Or is that just kind of big beef trying to push back? Is that question making sense? Or, or am I all over the place? <laughs> No, I definitely think it makes complete sense. And absolutely, we have had internal conversations around that. And, and we we love vegetables um, and we love fruit too. So we're all for the plant-based, you know, I don't even want to call it a movement. Let's call it just mm-hmm. progression, right? And sure. so our first approach with our plant-based dips was really just plant forward. So when you look at our ingredients, again, we were not about using fillers and starches. So our first ingredients are things like cauliflower, red peppers, and then we're using nuts and uh, nut butters and, you know, some oils and then the spices and um, these kind of things, right? So real, like people are actually getting to ingest servings of vegetables in our plant-based dips, right? So an amazing bang for your buck, you're getting something that tastes delicious. And that's really nutritious for you. So when we talk about like, sitting there and eating something that we feel completely guiltless about, that was the sort of thought process behind these plant based dips. And as far as these kind of pseudo meats go, it's not that we have anything against them. And we are definitely looking at them. Because if that is what the consumer thinks is, you know, a good substitute for their regular meat products, and we're we as a company are okay, with the ingredient deck in those meat substitutes, we will definitely look at using them. So 
we are ourselves not against soy. So we do, you know, we use tofu in some of our products. Uh, we've used edamame in other products. As a policy here at the uh, manufacturing facility, we are a gluten-free, peanut-free facility. So one of the major substitutes in a lot of these meat substitutes is often wheat. We wouldn't use any of those types of ingredients that are using wheat, but we would definitely look at the soy ones, you know, and, and for sure, like, I don't think that at least at this point in time, we really want to work with an ingredient that has a long list of chemicals because we've kind of stayed away from that. And yes, we do work with certain partners and create private label products for very strategic partners. And if they came and asked us to make something, you know, under their label, we would probably have a discussion around it. And and I can't comment if we would, you know, make something like that for them or not, even if it was under their label as opposed to ours, because to this point, even for the private label stuff that we've made, we've never gone down that path of those artificial or natural colors or flavors. Like that's just not something we've wanted in house. But we obviously are seeing that consumers are very interested in it. Um, you know, they definitely feel that these pseudo meats are a great substitute. So it is something we are considering um, as a company, whether it's going to be branded or, or something private label. Very interesting. Well, I, again, it, I learned more in 20 minutes than I've learned in a long time about some things that are going on out there in the preservatives and HPP and um, plant-based food world. So we just want to um, thank you again, Joyce, for taking time out of your day to come on here and chat with us. And I'm sure our listeners are really going to enjoy um, learning about some of these things. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm happy to do it. As I said, like if we can get more awareness out there about the amazing foods that Good Foods is making, you know, all the better for the world. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.